Welcome to the Beyond the Easy podcast with your host, Natasha Stevens. When she isn't speaking herself, you'll hear from some of the globe's most unique and powerful people who have pushed past perceived limitations and are exceeding societal expectations. Our niche is simple, people. Our dynamic guests share their stories filled with content that synergistically bridges the divide between us and them. And we're inviting you in. We are a blended tribe. Thanks for tuning in and catching the subscribe vibe. And we are here with Kimberly S. Reed, MED, CDP. She is the Corporatepreneur, which is trademarked by her, Chief Transformational Officer of the Reed Development Group. The Reed Development Group is a cutting-edge, multidisciplined diversity, equality, and inclusion solutions firm accelerating the future of organizational, multicultural evolution and growth through innovation, development, and advocacy. She has developed a distinguished reputation as having one of the most distinct and powerful voices on the lecture circuit. She's transformed the thinking of thousands. Kimberly's infectious energy, her lioness tone, and inspiring sincerity engages audiences on topics including the, the innovation and evolution of diversity, equality, and inclusion, personal, professional, and leadership development, entrepreneurship, and teaching that optimists always win, the title of her book, Overpower Life's Inevitable Knockouts with a Punch of Positivity. Let's face it, no matter how much you might plan for a rainy day, sometimes life hits you with a powerful punch when you least expect it, and often with more than one blow. It can be a crisis of health, the economy, an accident, or a personal tragedy. The good news is that developing optimism can overpower our inherent inclination to focus on the negative side of challenges and pitfalls. In her book, author and unabashed optimist Kimberly S. Reed reveals her 10 discouragement eliminators, a foolproof plan for staying optimistic at all times. Reflective exercises, self-assessments, helpful tips, and activities will show you that optimism is not a pie in the sky, but a choice that will give you the ability to positively interpret the meaning of life's events. Optimism allows us to evolve our thought process, better our situations, and put our faith and hope in a better tomorrow. And we couldn't be more honored and grateful for her voice tonight. Please tune in, please share with a friend, share with a family member, they're going to appreciate you. Thank you. Let's bring Kimberly in right now. We are graced with the presence of none other than Kimberly S. Reed. Kimberly, welcome to the room. How are you? <laughs> I am great. Thank you for setting that bar so high. Lord have mercy, for especially coming from an incredible young woman like yourself. Thank you so very much, Natasha. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I, and I'm honored to have you. You have no idea. I have been just waiting for someone like you. And I, <laughs> I, I just, God answers prayers. That's all. Yes, he does. Is that he answers prayers. So, you know, you all heard in her introduction, her professional background, and you heard about this incredible book that came out in January of this year, 
Optimists always win, moving from defeat to life's C-suite. And what I want to say at the top of this is beyond all of the things that you heard about her background professionally, have you ever heard of an author, Simon & Schuster, best-selling author, first week out, giving all, not some, all of the proceeds of her book to two different charities and we'll get into what those are shortly but have you ever heard of that i have never heard of that and when i saw the title when i first got the book i thought i wonder what this is i knew her backstory but i said i wonder what this is and to every listener we know that this is the holiday season we know that you're busy you're rushing around some of you may be sad Um, You may be going through different things and you're wondering how you can get out of a rut or a bind. And, um, you know, Kimberly in her book, she has these things called each chapter is a discouragement eliminator. And we'll get into that shortly. But Kimberly, this title threw me and and it made me pick it up. So I want to know, how did you come up with that title? (laughs) That's funny. Well, listen, please do not give me all the credit for that. Um, because it took, it takes a team. It takes a village uh, to build greatness. Um, it takes, it, it takes innovation, uh, innovative thinkers um, to 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 help you catapult to your to your blessing and fulfill your dreams. And that was this, that was the scenario for me. As a new author, I did not want to self-publish. There's nothing wrong with self-publishing at all. Um, I just wanted to try my hat in the ring uh, with the big, with the big girls, if you will, and and big boys, if you will, um, to see if a first-time author can um, be accepted um, by a publisher, um, and you know, a, a, and get a great distribution um, opportunity, such as uh, Simon and Schuster, Schuster um, in HCI uh, Communications are, are in partnership, and that that is who published the book. But um, we had um, a PR marketing uh, meeting because when you're a first time author, Natasha, you have to write a proposal, right? You have to first write an outline, then write a proposal, and then the proposal gets shot. And the proposal can be shopped around to publishers for years. Um, in my case, it was almost, it was like 16 months. And so during that time, we changed the title several times. Um, but it was a collective effort of many great minds that I am grateful to um, that took my personality and my business background and made it a title. So that's why you have, uh, you know, life in the C-suite, right? Because I was in corporate America at one point in my life. So that's the long-winded way for me to tell you about the title. <laughs> wow. You know, that is incredible. And you're right. Um, I've, you are, you just blow me away. <laughs> um, you know, being a first-time author and your book was only shopped around for 16 months and Simon and Schuster right out of the gate and then bestseller the first week. And I can see why this book, um, just listeners just know we are gifting copies 
of this book. Kimberly oh, is a blessing. Yeah, she's a blessing in this book. And we aspire here at Beyond the Easy to be a blessing as well. So we will be gifting that book out to some of our listeners and also our previous guests. Um, because this book is not, when you read the subtitle you or the tagline, you think, okay, this is about another book about, you know, corporate America and mm-hmm. startups and entrepreneurship. And it's so much more than that. Um, Kimberly comes from such a deep well of, you know, her, you heard about her background in diversity, equality, and inclusion, but she helps you to understand the DE&I space. And one of the questions that popped into my head was, gosh, she had to move through adversity while doing diversity. And that just, it struck me. And I thought, gosh, she's been through so much, like many of our guests, but Kimberly has really been through a lot. And to look at her, to see her moving and shaking and doing what she does and to read this book and to see how well it's structured and what it does to you, it grabs you at the heart and it makes you look at yourself and do self-introspection in such a way that it doesn't scar you, it doesn't hurt you. And she weaves her story in so beautifully. And one of the things, Kimberly, that you mentioned in your book is that pain, which we all know so much about, pain creates empathy. And so with that in mind, what inspired you to write this book? Which, by the way, I want people to know, Kimberly has survived some things and we'll we'll talk about that. But this is not this book is not just for people that have survived tragedies um, or that have gone through terminal illnesses or that have just had really horrible things happen to them. This book is for everyone. But when you say that pain creates empathy, what, you know, this is your first book. So what inspired you to take all of, all of you and place it? Well, there's not enough room for all of you in this book. You're just so amazing. what 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 inspired you to just say you know what i'm gonna put pen to paper here friends um people close to me who knew what i what i've walked through like many of us walk through and they said to me kim you need to write about this um sophia a nelson is a sorority sister of ours um who is on msnbc and just a brilliant woman she is one of the main people who pushed me to um, finally write a book. And, you know, about nine years ago, my life unraveled. Um, My mother um, passed away of leukemia and my maternal grandmother passed away as well. And then subsequent to my grandmother passing, maternal grandmother passing away, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer that we'll talk more about that journey shortly. But when you walk through that, and Natasha, I will say, you know, most of my prayers were answered and I use air quotes in a way exactly opposite what I prayed. Mm. And, you know, I was so upset um, and disappointed with God. 
I felt abandoned. I honestly didn't know what to ask God for anymore. I would not kneel and talk with him. I remember saying to God, I'm too angry to pray. And I would sit on the side of my bed and cry and ask God just to sometimes stay with me, even though I was so angry with him. And some of the days my room was so blurry from my own tears, God answered me. He stayed restored and transformed me in ways until this day I cannot even fathom. And one of those, one of those, uh, another characteristic that God said, I'm going to give you was optimism. Hope, because you're gonna to have to walk through your own journey, but I've equipped you with the power of your rear view to look at how your mother walked through with unyielding faith, indescribable faith, Natasha. And this fearlessness that, woo, if I had a quarter of, I'd be a bad mama jamma. <laughs> I can imagine. Right? But, but, but so optimism, so because I had to practice these levels of hope, faith, optimism. I, and I came out on the other side with God saying yes to my health, to my heart being so broken. I, in a sense, won. So optimists always win. I want people to know that oftentimes God, God's means of preparation for us is always something greater. Mm, say that. Right? Yes. Silent times. And that was, this was one of, a, this is a huge lesson that I learned. Silent times are often God's means of preparation for something greater. So God was active in my life, but he was quiet. Mm. And who knew that he was quiet for my survival? Hmm. Whew, that is so, so heavy. And just to, to hear you speak about that, it, it, as the kids say, you know, you've got me in my feelings. And, and <laughs> by that, <laughs> by right. that, I mean, I, you know, there aren't many people today that will admit that they were upset with God or confused with God or angry with God. And I've been in that place before of just having my entire life, what felt like at the time, uh, many, many years ago, just ripped from underneath me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I actually told God, I'm not talking to you. I'm not reading your Bible. I'm not, we're not friends. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've taken away some people that I love and I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I didn't. 
I did not for three years. I was completely way left as mm-hmm. in I, I'm, I was so upset. So when you said the silence and, and God didn't talk back, he didn't say, oh, no, you know, I didn't hear some voice uh-huh. or some some loud voice or some whisper. He didn't talk back. He didn't say anything. Um, and he let me go for three years. And, and then I was landed in the hospital. And I said, uh-huh. wait, please, wait, God, wait. Um, so. I'm so glad that you had that circle of friends. And yes, um, if anyone doesn't know Sophia Nelson, um, then you've been under a rock. Um, she has a book called The Woman Code. She is a dynamic person, speaker, sorority sister. And and yes, Kimberly and I are sorority sisters of <laughs> Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Yes! I had to, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um, but to have those people around you to say you do need to put it in a book and you did it in such a way that it helps everyone. But, but Kim, I just, I, I, I just pause here for a second because this book is a life guide. Um, you give us not just the discouragement that comes in each chapter and, and I don't want to give the whole book away but you give us lessons along the way and then you give us time to sit with the knowledge that you've given us. And so if you were a reader of this book and someone else wrote this book and you read it out of the lessons that you give have given us, which would you say has impacted your professional life more than your personal life? Or do you even see them as being separate? I don't see them as being separate because of what I went through. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, it's funny because my professional life has, I've been blessed to work with some of the most brightest people on the planet and some of the most influential companies in the world. Um, God blessed me with a wonderful, wonderful career and a wonderful salary to go along with that career. But the, the but is not, be, not, but I wasn't blessed. I was absolutely blessed but there was more for me to do. And so that's when I became an entrepreneur in the same space, diversity, equality, and inclusion. Um, you know, it was just, it was just me expanding, right. My reach, my autonomy to really make changes in, in, in how the world and how we view diversity and why it's important. Um, but in, you know, in, in going back to your, your point about the two, um, I see them as one in the same because adversity, you know, changes who we are, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. adversity is, you know, uh, gratitude is such a game changer, right? Because when you go through adversity in both your professional life and your personal life, it's not the strongest people that survive, right? Or the most intelligent. But it's the people that are most responsive to change. Wow. Yes. Right? Because in your personal life, in your professional life, you pivot, right? You some people lose their jobs, some people leave their jobs, some people get promoted, some people get demoted, whatever it may be, um, or decide to come into entrepreneurship, right? Or, you know, if 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 it's your love life, you know, sometimes, you know, we feel like letting go is giving up when it's when it's not. 
right? right? Sometimes letting go of something in our love life is, is, you know, I know this is probably another session for another day, but you know, it, it, it is a part of this, of, of responding to change. And so, and even in your, and then going lastly into your personal life, which love is a part of that, but in your personal life, when you go through the valleys and go through deep valleys, how are you responding to that valley? That's very important because if we are, you know, cause it goes back to remember the strongest people, it's not the strongest people that survive. People think that they have to be this dynamo or this, you know, Superman, superwoman. No, you don't, but you do have to understand the lesson and you have to be willing to listen, to learn the lesson, right? Listen. Right. So life also, Natasha, life doesn't change unless we change ourselves. Right. Mm, right. Right. When you choose greatness, you have to let go of every anything and anyone that pulls you back from that greatness. And that's the same in your personal life, professional life and your love life. So they are all one in the same to me. So that that makes me believe that one of the the biggest lessons that you as the author and then if if you were the reader, one of the greatest lessons that you've learned is not only to lean in and listen, but also to, to I see three L's lean in, listen, and then be willing to let go. Absolutely. And, and here's the other and the other and, and I would say and I think that's oh my God, that's um, that's perfect. I also will tell you the biggest piece of the book for me, the chapter that I'm most fond of, and that has the most, one of, one of the chapters has the most meaning to me is the power of your rear view. Oh yes. Please talk about that. Please. Right. Right. So, so let me, so I'll ask a question to you, you and your listeners, right? And this is a rhetorical. I want you to answer it, but actually I want to answer it to yourselves. What was, and Natasha, you can answer though. What okay. was the worst year of your life? Well, I would say that the worst year of my life, um, and there, there are two. There, mm -hmm. there, am I allowed to give two? Uh, um, no, just one. Just one year. One. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so then it would have to be the worst year of my life was... Um, I would say 2000, the year okay. 2000. Okay. So I want your listeners as well. I want you to think of that year in your mind. And most of us would choose different years than the year of 2020. And it is a mindset the mind is the most powerful part of our anatomy. And the reason why I ask people, tell me what your worst year was, not for you to dwell there, because I don't want you to do that if, you, if you've moved past that healing. But what I will tell you is that we have been so conditioned to believe what year was our worst year ever? Mm. 2020. That's now, so true. Right? Now, for some people, Natasha, 
it was. I, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't take that for granted because there are people hurting still from 2020. But most people that I talk to, they say a different year. And what has got us into this mind conditioning is I love the media, but the media, the, you know, what we see, what we've read, what all of these things have conditioned us, starting to condition us or have conditioned us to believe that 2020 was our worst year. So the power of your rear view is critical to our perspective, healing and growth right? Healing begins when you change the way you tell your story. Mm. Okay. So, 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 so 22,000 was your worst year. You have survived, but it took work to survive, but you had to heal in order, in order to, to, to change the way you tell the story. Right. Say that. Yes, I did. Right. Because (laughs) you were defeated. Right. Because you felt Mm -hmm. defeated in all of these isms that you felt because you went through that horrific and all in your listeners that year that they have in their minds. Right. Right. But you have to but we have to understand that the power of your rear view teaches you how to survive, because I tell anyone, if 2020 was not your worst year, even if it was, what did it take for you to overcome 20, uh, for you, 2000, Natasha? I want you to think about this quite to yourself. What did it take? So when 2020 arrived and it was coined our worst year ever, and for some people they thrived more than ever, it was it 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 you've got to think about all those characteristics that you survived that took you to survive that year you claimed so what i mean is the power of your rear view will teach you that teach you the elements and the tenets to use going forward when you have a bad year a bad month a bad season in your life because you have been prepared and you have walked through that already. And you are, you also have survived. So all of the tactics that you use to survive, you resurrect them to whatever year, if for 2020 is people, it's 2020, it's for it's a lot of people. Use those things. Use those tenants, use those elements because your rear view has taught you you can survive. You are strong. And it is critical to your perspective, as I said, your healing and the growth because you cannot dwell there. You only use it to learn because you can't learn without lessons. So you only use that and leverage that for the lessons and for the understanding of what God pulled you through. Wow. You know, and I'm thinking about that year 2000. Thank you so much for that. I'm thinking now personally, and I want the listeners to hear what she's saying um, because our demographic is 18 to 65. And you're right. 2020 was was not a good year for a lot of people. Um, But you're right. You go further back and you go, you know what? This actually wasn't that bad compared to what God brought me out of. Let's talk about me. I'll put me in the hot seat here. 
in 2000. And so I'm thinking, what did I use? What, what tools did I use to pull myself out of that horrific situation? And now if I find myself in 2020 and 2021 going through something that might not be as bad, but it, it still might burn. What did I learn? What growth points did I hit back then? What resilience, what did I pull on back then that I forgot about that I didn't even realize that I had or that I forgot that I had. And for me, it was having the courage to sit in an empty house in Alexandria, Virginia, and move to Atlanta post unexpected divorce with nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I won't even get into that whole thing. That's another podcast, but it was, I have to take the bus. Not Mm -hmm. saying that anything, there's anything wrong about taking the bus, but it was Mm -hmm. just, I have to, I have to get back in the market. I have to get back in the game. I have to put myself in pain. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm crying, but I have to get on this bus and I have to go to as many trade shows as I can, as many HR, uh, job hunters, headhunters, and I have to restart. Mm-hmm. My entire life again, when I planned my life out so quote unquote perfectly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back when you were speaking and go, okay, God forbid something happens and I'm sitting on the floor, no furniture, there's nothing there. I can pull on that resilience in Natasha and say, girl, you can get up, you can go mm-hmm. to the bus, you mm-hmm. can find you can find mm-hmm. a job. Um, you know, you will get picked up. Someone will find you and you will make it through that entire year of kickback and people talking and rumors. And and you get into that in your book about toxic relationships Mm -hmm. and, and who your kryptonite is. And, and, and I love the fact that you asked the question, are you your kryptonite? That's right. Because see, Every chapter has a reflective, because I know when I was, and the reason why every chapter has reflection at the end of it, exercises for you to reflect, is because that was extremely important for me to do, and I'm still doing it in certain areas of my life. And, you know, it is important that we reflect on what was the good, bad, and the ugly, right? And I say reflect, not dwell, right? Big difference. Because reflecting is, 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 is revisiting the lesson that you may have missed. There are, there are a couple of things that I want to share with you and the audience. One is that you have to trust that the best is unfolding for you daily. It's one. I love it. Two what you describe, Natasha, for you, if your, your inner voice could have empowered you or limited you, and it probably did limit you as you were going through, right? But now because of your survival, your inner voice now empowers you about what you walk through because you are now sharing it and being a testimony for others. The third 
is we do not become the best version of ourselves by living untested. Mm, say that again. I don't we, think that hurts you. Please say <laughs> that again for the people in the back. Yes, 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 with my tambourine. <laughs> we do not become the best version of ourselves by living untested. Mm. And I learned that after the fact. I learned that many years later after my mom, my God, my, my grandmother, then me having cancer, which in the big picture, this is going to sound so crazy, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Why? Because my mother and my grandmother is, are no longer here with me. I am. So I realized that had I not been tested, I would not have survived the whole journey of cancer. I convinced by that because my mind would have been affected because see, I had to pay attention to my rear view of what I saw in my mother that fearlessness, her unyielding faith, right? Every day when I walked in her room, I said, and I know she didn't feel well. Hi, mommy. How are you? Hey, honey. How are you feeling, mommy? Um, sweetie, I'm okay. By his stripes, I am healed. This too shall pass. These are the things that I heard from a woman with stage four leukemia. And so, and so, and, and so I'm sorry, not stage four leukemia. It was a it was a terminal leukemia because leukemia doesn't have stages. I apologize for that. No, that, no, no. That, that part. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that you cannot talk down and go up. Mm. You can't talk down and, and talk in defeat and think you're going to win. You're not. It's so true. And it takes me back to... And, and, and I, I get kickback sometimes um, whenever I mention this, um, because sometimes maybe I don't go further, I don't go deeper into it, depends on who I'm speaking with. Um, but sometimes we can get caught up, even though we, we have been subject, subjected to something so horrific, but we can get stuck in that victim mentality. And oh, God, the, yeah, absolutely. And the, yeah, and the victim mentality, if we stay there, it will it will take us out. It will take us under. And your book allows for us to do those reflections at the end and in the middle of the chapters to just sit down and say, wait a minute. And so you give us permission to, for lack of better terms, you give us permission to kick our own behind. Um, to, you do, you give us yeah, permission, I, yeah, you do, yeah. you do, you give us complete permission in such a loving way though. And, and, you know, when you go, when you walk us through the different offices, the wisdom office, the growth <laughs> office, the vision board, the happiness office, the peace office, the justice office, I mean, all of these different things. And then we get to quiet the soul. Yes. And that is so important. Right. And, you know, uh, what uh, Caroline, Dr. Caroline Miss says, you know, the soul always knows what to, to do to heal itself. Mm -hmm. The challenge is to silence the mind, just like you said. Right. Yeah. And so I, you know, gosh, I, I'm just blown away by this because still to this day, and, and that's how you know every person that's listening that God has his hand 
on her life as well as your life that she could walk through that because of what she saw with her mom. And when you read the part about her mom and her walking in that hospital room and pleading out to God for her mother's life and you see where she is now and then living with it herself and okay, she lost her mom. She lost her maternal grandmother and then she got a diagnosis and it went from stage two to stage four. Now, Kimberly, I don't know if I would have made it. Yeah, you would. So, yes, you would have. Yes, you would have. Yeah, no, no, Natasha. Nope. I'm not. Nope. You would have. You absolutely would have because it means a lot of times, as we know, God stays with us, right? Right. And so, so, so you, and, but, and not only does he stay with us, and sometimes we don't know or care if he is at that moment because of how we are feeling. Right. But you have more power, your listeners, everybody, all of us have, have much more power than we feel, even in our greatest moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And, you know, one of the things that we talked, you said, about kryptonite, right? Too. Yeah. One of the things I love about writing. I love people. Yes. Yeah, people are sometimes our kryptonite. And so, one of the things, though, it's so funny. <laughs> I'm a church girl. Okay, so it's 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 funny because I learned this, and I laugh because you probably encountered some of the same things, right? That I have. Your listeners, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And yes. see, when God is silent we are frequently tempted to rely on uh, our own great thoughts and, <laughs> and right. And we yes. ask family and friends for guidance. We do that. Right. Yes, we do. But I'm going to ask you, but Natasha, darling, how yes. do we know that these thoughts and ideas are from God? Okay. Mm. Right. That's sorry. <laughs> So, right, you think, right? Because that that's what we think, right? Because we are when you're in hope mode, you are looking for an answer. You are looking for someone to just give you some, give you a shot of joy. Yes, yes. It's almost like you're looking for a lifeline, mm-hmm. and you know, God is life, and 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 life is in us. And mm-hmm. so when you said he said he, he it, it just takes me to Psalms forty six and ten. Be still and know that I am God. And so we start pulling and grabbing for all of these people outside of us. And he's like, I'm living inside of you. Sit down, be still, relax, chill out. That's right. And in Romans chapter 12, verse one is, I'm telling you, piggybacking from the Psalms, learning to develop a prayer habit despite your circumstances, will keep us in the view of God's mercy where true transformation takes place. Lord, have mercy. She's going to preach and I'm going to send her an offering right now. <laughs> because, you know, every everyone that, that knows Kimberly, everyone that interacts with Kimberly, she is consistent and she is constant in her faith. And that is what carries her 
as you can see, and it's what it should be carrying all of us. And it has carried many of us, many of you that are listening. Um, if you're Christian, you believe in God, if you, if you, whatever your, your religious beliefs are or, or not, you believe in some sort of higher power. If you believe that you can sit in a chair and the chair is not going to fall down, then you have faith in a higher power. And right around the holidays, we get emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. we, we, you know, we, we who have lost people, um, mm-hmm. we who have been uh, laid off from work, we who have had breakups, yeah. we and I don't just mean the 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 male female, you know, the the, the love relations, but the the platonic friendships oh, that yeah. we thought would last forever. So we all go through these emotions mm-hmm. that come up around the the holidays going into a new year and we make all of these resolutions that you know next year i'm going to do better um, i'm going to start fasting uh, at the end of the year and i'm going to dedicate my fast for 31 days in just december for this and i said one time you know sometimes i really don't like that because we 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 start off great in january and then i had something for every a letter that for every word and then we fall off in february we make fun of people in march <laughs> you know mm-hmm. we vaccinate people in april and it just was going on and on and on um but i do believe in the power of of fasting and 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 so do so many other people and, and our listeners as well but to be able to walk through that growth labyrinth if you will because sometimes you don't know where you're going uh-uh. and yet uh-uh. and yet lead others as you're going through um right now Kimberly if you were sitting in an audience and people were listening to you walk across the stage and and, and preach to us as you have been doing tonight who can benefit from your book right now around the holidays everyone Everyone. I agree. I agree. Everyone. I don't, if you are joyous, which I am joyful right now, although I miss my mother indescribably and I was doing an interview earlier and I had a moment during the interview because I was just thinking about this just amazing woman in Soror of ours um, who is, was just an incredible, incredible incredible soul and i also know that this book is for people who just want who want to stay optimistic and it's also for people who have lost no question about it and people who are walking through something having a tough season right now so this book i say is for every one um, depending where you are in your life. And one thing, though, is <laughs> another lesson that I learned, and this is for everybody. The time to begin recognizing God's voice is not at the point of hardship or desperation, but it is during a consistent lifelong relationship of intimate conversations. And those are the things that I had to rebuild because I knew God was real and whom you believe in, that is your faith. 
But you, whomever it is, for me, it is God. You cannot just talk or recognize their voice at the time of your despair. Mm -hmm. we, we can't. It is that lifelong relationship of conversations. I am not saying that you have to go to church every single Sunday because God doesn't say that. That's right. But what I am saying is that when, you, when we pray, that is a form of relationship. When before you and I got on our podcast, I said, Lord, I ask you to bless us. Yes. yes. Touch our mouths that it may bless someone else whom mm -hmm. is saved and unsaved. Right. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's conversations that I have throughout the day. Right. And that I had to kind of rebuild because, see, sometimes it's the problem is not God's silence. It's not. It's our inability to hear. That is so true. And I remember my grandmother used to walk around and I would get so nervous because every other five minutes it was, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and, I, and, and, you know, and I was, I'm, Granny, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, yes, I'm just talking to the Lord. And I said, but you just asked him to have mercy. She said, mm-hmm, I really did because I didn't want to have to spank anybody. I didn't want to have to go off on anybody. And she said, but really, I'm just asking him to have mercy on me. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, these are the type of conversations that I have. And so I watched her have those conversations with God all day long. And sometimes it would be a Lord have mercy. Um, sometimes it would be a Lord Jesus. Um, and so that was an overflow of, I imagine, deeper conversations with him. So having that personal relationship, whatever that looks like for you listeners, um, with God, our creator, is so important because it's like if you were in a, a, a relationship with, with a significant other and you don't communicate with that person, then you don't recognize their voice. Mm -hmm. So as Eve clearly had time with Adam before the snake came in the garden, had she communed maybe a little bit more with Adam, had he communed a little bit more with her, then perhaps she wouldn't have listened to what slid in the garden to make her doubt her identity mm. and make her doubt what God mm. said. Mm -hmm. And so what Kimberly is saying is just like within any relationship, even on your, in, in your corporate positions, um, when, when the CEO isn't communicating with, uh, the rest of the team, someone could come in from the outside and say, our supply chain is great. And that could throw the whole company off if it's a lie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's what she is just as basic as that, the same type of relationship that you would cult, uh, cultivate mm -hmm. with your significant other, with your family, with your coworkers. That is the, 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 the one that is supersedes that and comes first. And is also the foundation and the roof is the one with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I, I, and I am fascinated by you because you live your life full out with no apologies. And, and you said that, you know, I've been in this corporate space for a long time. And as we said in her introduction, she started at Deloitte and then she went to Campbell's. And, you know, with the wake of everything that has happened in the diversity, equity and inclusion space here in the past two years, 
that has, you know, invigorated some and it's worn others down. It's caused some deep conversations. It's caused mm-hmm. some corporate shifting around. Um, I want the listeners to know that Kimberly Reed and Reed Development Group did not just hop on the scene because DE and I was hot. Mm-mm. She's Mm-mm. been doing this for a long time and she got her start early. And, you know, you're going to read all about her, her, her company. You're going to see it in the podcast description. You're going to hear it and you've already heard some of it. But Kim, if we could shift just a second for, for, for those that are in corporate America, because we have a sure. lot of those listeners, mm-hmm. tell us something about redevelopment in the diversity, equality, and inclusion space that sets you guys apart from the rest. Because I see so many people looking for the correct, there are so many DE&I jobs out there. It's incredible. Oh my God. And insane. I see alerts through LinkedIn daily and for chief diversity officers right now. So now we're on that. That's what companies are on now. That's, that's their jam now. Chief diversity officer. That's their jam. Yeah. And yeah, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm not saying, and I say that I'm, I'm a little cynical about it because I I'm, in that, I'm in that <laughs> space, right? You're in that space. And right. so, you know, I, um, you know, I worked, I, as I told, as I mentioned, and, and you all will read all about this. I, you know, started my career at PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, you know, and that was a, you know, t- that's the leader of global um, professional services firms, right? And then, you know, mm-hmm. went to the companies that you just described. So, you know, we've seen, I've seen, and my people, the people that I work with have seen such an evolution and, and a trajectory of, some, of sort in this space. We're not new to this at, at all. Okay, um, come we on. We are diversity. <laughs> we are globally certified. We are practitioners. We understand that the murder of George Floyd and countless others triggered 400 plus years of generational trauma. My God. We, Right. And so organizations are now running to this finish line that doesn't exist, that they have to hire all of these diverse people when you have to look within and look at internal advancement before you rush and go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and some millions for people by in by giving to this organization and you check the box no you've given to the organization now you've got to work in that organization for change because of the 400 years of generational trauma that the nation has resurrected and so with redevelopment group we understand that in other things. But we also understand for organizations is that you have to define diversity, equality, equity, and inclusion and, and, and inclusion and belonging priorities that are based on the business growth strategy because people will not care unless it is an investment. And so, you know, and so we also have to ensure that when companies are working in this space, that their commitment is so strong that the outcome has to be DEI, 
is in the becomes the the company's DNA. Yes, say right? that. Thank right? you. Right, the yes. company's DEI becomes its DNA, and so we also what makes us also unique and also Kaleidoscope is that the other organization that I am a part of is that we craft a targeted portfolio of DEI imperatives to transform the organization. Now, without giving away the secret sauce to do that, That's it right. is also <laughs> called, you know, we have to look at building a culture. Remember I just said about a little while, uh, two minutes, two seconds ago, that we're racing to this finish line and that there is, um, we've got to look at the culture and we've got to look internally, right? Because we're trying to hire externally and we don't have our own kitchen clean mm. right? in, in these organizations. That's why they, that's why diversity fails, right? Diversity fails because of lack of commitment. We know that, right? And not in this yes. order, Absolutely. but it also, it also starts to fail because we are, especially in talent, in recruitment, it's because we're looking outward when we should be looking inward. You mean to tell me out of uh, 50,000 individuals in a mid-market company or, uh, or, or a global organization, I should say, you mean to tell me there isn't 500 high-performing people of color that you can promote or develop or retool their skill set? to ensure that they are successful and have a trajectory in the organization and to the ENC suite? You can't tell me that. You cannot tell me that. And so, in a, of course, I'm speaking passionately about it now, Natasha, but we are advisors and we are, we are, we, we are the, we kind of bring the symptoms up to light. And we work with executive, the executive cabinet on down. And our message is professional, consistent, and very kind. And I know you. I know it's hard to say kind and diversity, adversity in the same sentence. But I tell every client, the first time I talk with them, is be kind to yourselves, because this is uncharted territory. It shouldn't be, but it is. And we're not. And and, and we are not. That's that's the reality. That's the reality of it, right? Because you've got to change only starts in this space, Natasha, by meeting people where they are. Only way. That only is the way. that is the absolute only way. And um, I've I've met with quite a few people that are in different areas of this. And I've been holding up my, hey, corporate America, you know, this whole DE&I thing starts in education, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but in that same space that you're speaking of, you're right. You know, we have to go within and, and that Lauren Hill song, I don't know all of the lyrics right now, but it says, how, how, how are you going to win if you're not right within? There mm -hmm. are people that you can promote. There are people that you, as you said, can develop. And, um, you know, I'm sure we could talk for hours on diversity, equity, and inclusion, but I love your approach and redevelopment and Kaleidoscope's approach to this at helping the the high level executives and then across the board to see their own possible internal biases that they may have 
mm-hmm. but also meeting them with grace because there are some people who don't know. For example, um, if you were to take 55 to 75% of my now adult students who are out there who are still very hurt and very traumatized who are working in corporate America by the past few years to the point where they're searching for some place to be um, so that their voices can be heard in that space so that they can create change. For me, they need a Kimberly. They need a redevelopment group um, to come and to talk to them, to speak to them so they don't give up hope on their corporate jobs. And I mean, major corporations that they are at mid-level, um, positions and even higher. And Mm -hmm. they are looking across the board at their classmates saying, wait a minute, you're investing millions of dollars over here in this. Well, what about us? We went to school together. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a startup. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of conversation around that. Um, and I've seen you speak at best in class too. So the reason why I got it segue to students is um, what you said to those students was so powerful. Um, and I used to be guilty. I used to be a tweetaholic. Um, but, uh, you know, what you said about social media, about Google, about um, Twitter, <laughs> right? And then I thought, you know, I had to get on the whole Jeff Bezos train and say, hey, that is not my novel. Um, my novel will not be out until 2022 um, when you Google me. But what... Nice. You, yeah, when you spoke to... Thank you. When you spoke to those high school students, you fired me up. And, you know, <laughs> I, you did because I have said some of the same things and I thought was Kimberly a fly on my wall and was I a fly on her wall? <laughs> It's the pink and green, honey. It it must be. It it, it has to be the pink and green. It must be because right now, you know, and one of the things I I say it to the young men and I say it to the young women, how you present yourself on social media matters. And um, you hit the nail on the head. One wrong tweet, one wrong Instagram post take you seven years or more to get out of. So credit. It's like bad. It's like bad credit, Natasha. And, yes, and, and my young people—they don't hear us. They don't hear us because they are their Insta, Instagram and TikTok, and, and we don't Twitter and Facebook. They're the young people. They they over that. But the the TikTok and Instagram—I'm telling you—I always say to these young people: if your grandmother cannot look at what you post. Don't you can't you don't need to post it. You just don't need to post it because, you know, it's it's to your point, Natasha, not to not to interrupt you, but you we have to stay on this point. Young people, it is like bad credit. You now jobs are requiring vaccinations. They also are requiring and they are looking at your social media. Oh, they can they can take away. They offered you a nice little job at Walmart or a nice little internship at some nice big corporate cushy job. And the minute they see something negative on your social media or inappropriate, they can take back that offer to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how serious this is. It's very serious. And I work with a lot of young athletes and I have in the past. And I said, that stuff doesn't go away. 
So, and, and you think that you have these little friends, oh, my Snapchat, it will disappear. There are so many ways around that, right? Oh, my God. And yeah. so now you get the scholarship offer, both athletic and academic. And then, oops, there goes that video that you thought mm-hmm. went away. Um, but getting back to your book, um, you know, where Kim, did you grow up a go getter? Did you just pop out? Did you no. just pop out of the womb, like you know? Hey, no. girl, I'm no. taking over. No, there's two things I need to say to that, Miss Natasha. One <laughs> is that perfection is an illusion. Yes, it I is. Used to try to be perfect. I did. I cannot lie to you. For years, I just stopped. Maybe three or four years ago. Um, but. Have I always been a go-getter? I saw examples of go-getter. Like my dad, used, he, he built homes for a living. So he would go to work. I would, he would, we would have breakfast together and my mom would make it. We would have breakfast together and my dad would go to work every day. And during the allergy season, we lived in Connecticut. That's where I grew up. And during, we had this weeping willow outside our, our front yard. And sometimes it was, it would agitate my dad's sinuses and just having the windows open in the house and you know people who allergy suffers they know what I'm they know what I'm talking about and my dad one morning because I used to kiss him every morning every time he every day that he left um he would get ready to go down the steps to the to the garage and I would kiss him before he left and right. I will never forget one day I kissed him in his eyes before I kissed him I saw it I said daddy oh my god are you okay his eyes were so, or almost swollen. And my dad was still going to work. I never saw my dad not work. I, 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 he had such a strong, that's maybe the military in him, but he had such a strong um, worth ethic. He went back to school in his forties to finish his degree. Um, you, you know, it, it was just, it was, it, and my mother, my goodness, my mom, you know, worked for MIT and she worked for the Urban League of Boston. And, you know, she, you know, I saw this, you know, my mom went to HBCU. I didn't go to HBCU, but she did. And that's where she was initiated into, into Alpha Kappa Alpha and, you know, Sorority Incorporated. And also, you know, I've see, I saw all of these things. I was blessed to do that. However, when I went to, to, we were had a, I went to a college friends party and um, there were people there obviously from college and who knew me and they said, Kim, where's, where's your Bentley? Is it's parked out. I know it's parked out front. <laughs> and I laughed, you know, I laughed. I said, what? No. Right. Like what? Bentley, please. And you know, they were like, you know, I, we're going to, I know we're going to see you on Oprah in two years or three years or four years people it was a dynamic i think that not just me that we all have when we are thinking about who we are and who we want to be and 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 that's that's so in that's so important because you have to visualize being exactly where and who you want to be and you got to hold on to that feeling that it gives you you got to be that so I always, when I saw Whitley Gilbert on Different World, I had to have her college room and my dad, I made my dad schlup my headboard like up to school. I wanted to carry a briefcase to, to, to school and wear suits. And I did that 
because I, I knew who and where I wanted to be kind of, sort of, because I wanted to be Oprah. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be Johnny Cochran, you know, all of these <laughs> things. And that's probably going too far back for some of our listeners. No, I love it. I love it. You, you know, meaning Johnny Cochran, but you know, I, I, I just visualized in everything and I changed about four times. My parents were like, okay, what are we doing here? You, okay, you're finishing four years, obviously, but you know, you're doing six, what are you going to do? Eight years because you keep changing discipline. And, and, and you know, so, so, so this loaded answer of, you know, of who I was and who I am and who people expect me to be is very flattering. And I'm very, and it's, it's, it's quite humbling and I'm very honored how highly people think of me. But it took a lot to, to get to this place. Because I I pivoted so much because I, it goes back to I had to visualize being for me I had to visualize where I where I wanted to be who I wanted to be and you know and then what felt best I thrive in the classroom in the college classroom so I know when I retire in a few years not that I'm that age but just move on from consulting I'm going to teach because I know how that makes me feel. And I'm teaching right now, um, you know, newly um, instructor at Howard School of Howard University. Yes. School of yes. Business. Yeah. Executive yes. education instructor. So God said, I got you because I always mm. wanted to teach, teach at HBCU. And he's like, all right, you going to the Mecca? Well, my Hampton brothers and sisters may not say that's the Mecca, but I'm <laughs> right, just right. using that, I'm using that nickname. That. Hey, I'm not starting any rivalry because they're HBCUs. We got to support all of them. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's, man, Natasha, I will tell you this. Everybody's life, all of us, is either a warning or an example. Oh my. Break and you've got, <laughs> everybody's life, all of us, either a warning or example. And you've got to decide at the end of the day what you're going to be mm. and finish strong. That's what, that's, this, that's what this game is all about. I Ooh. don't care if you pivoted 25 times, because I did. But at the end of the day, our lives are a warning or an example for someone else. And you've got, you've got to decide for 2022. You've got to decide you, are you, where you're going to be, where you're going to at least start right? And then you got to finish strong. If it's now on November 23rd, you've got to start somewhere. And I don't care if it's half or if it's a quarter of, or it's a little janky. I don't care, but start and then finish strong. And then you can, the good news is that 2022 and every day is new grace. Because I will tell you this, when you ask me for my final thought, you're going to think it's deep and it's not going to be deep. Mm. It's not. I'm I, telling you now. I believe it. And, you know, she said something so important when I asked her about, was she always a go-getter? She said, you guys, and I know that you heard her when she talked about the power of visualization. But she kept saying a word that I think a lot of us have missed. And so we hear all of these thought leaders and she is one and, and gurus tell us, oh, the power of positivity and positive psychology. And I'm in that holistic space where it's, you know, visualize, visualize. You can visualize all day, 
But mm-hmm. if you don't t- attach a feeling to that, if you don't attach an emotion to that, you yes, are ma'am. just looking. You are just looking. You, you're not there. Right? Yes, ma'am. You have to put yourself in that space. You have to understand, okay, I want to be Whitley, as you said. Okay, mm-hmm. what does that feel like? You know, growing up, I wanted to be Janet Jackson. Well, what does that <laughs> feel? I did. I, I did the whole concert at, at University of South Carolina. And, and our sorrow, Barbara Y., who's DE and I over at Apple, said, and, and, and <laughs> I thought she was going to tell my proudest moment was when you, you know, you pledged. She said, my proudest moment was when you danced Pleasure Principle to D- Janet Jackson. <laughs> but. But I, you know, I, I, so I had to embody that persona. And so we're not telling you to go out and be fake, but you put yourself in Hollywood when people have to go in to do these roles, a lot of them take some time away and they become the character that they have to portray. So they're not just sitting there staring at a script and going, okay, I can see myself jumping across this wall I can see myself sitting in a room across from a police officer or whatever the role is they actually put themselves in that space Mm -hmm. and so when she said visualize she kept saying feel so I hope that you caught that so Kim's for a lot of people have suffered deep loss Um, You've given so much to us tonight. You've given so much to me offline and you give so much to so many people everywhere. It's like thousands of people. Um, And you talk about gratitude and in your book, and that's a big deal for me. And sometimes I feel like gratitude uh, still hasn't hit the way that it should. Um, I I, I don't know. I, I, there are some medical reasons that, 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 preclude people from being grateful that they're not aware of it's a subconscious thing of being locked down for so long and then going back out and just not having the social wherewithal to be able to recalibrate and get back into that space um but in closing because i want to hear this point um before i do that though i want to i want to stay on this gratitude train for a second my favorite quote, I have tons of favorite quotes highlighted in her book, but one of my favorite quotes is all of us at some point have had to dig down deep in really difficult times. Pain changes who we are, but gratitude is the rocket fuel to our resilience. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I said, oh, that is so powerful. Can you explain for our global listeners? That last line, gratitude is the rocket fuel to our resilience. Break that down psychologically and biblically because I know that will preach. I have been sitting on that quote forever. (laughs) (laughs) So gratefulness is so powerful because it it will change the trajectory of your life. Gratitude is the rocket fuel to our resilience is because had I not been thankful for the power of my rear view of watching my mother survive 45 days of fe- with fearlessness, courage, unyielding faith, by his stripes I am healed, God is able. I would have never survived or been, or no, I would have survived because God said so, but I would have never been able 
to dwell in the journey because that gratitude was my rocket fuel to making me strong because of the examples. You have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to the examples in our lives, not just people, but things that happen. And prayer is one of the most powerful experiences in our lives, along with gratitude. And if you remember, Natasha, Daniel's prayer life was unwavering in the face of hardship. Yes. God saw him and delivered him from the mouth of lions. Daniel, you got to read it. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 to 23. And 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through 20, I want you all to read too. Because God remembers us. Yes, he does. And that is, I'm so thankful because of that fact. That helps me see past my circumstances and me. Mm. So I will... It also made me realize that God's silence is not forever. And you know what? That is so true. And you said something in your book when you were talking about gratitude. And and I'm I'm just going to read this one line, if, if you don't mind, Kimberly. No, please. Some people miss great blessings in their lives because they are always looking for the next good thing without acknowledging the goodness in the now. Right right? in the goodness in the now being Mm -hmm. grateful for our blessings in life is the key that opens the door to an optimistic life of success and prosperity, while a lack of appreciation often keeps us feeling down. And I'm just so grateful for the people You know, sometimes when we ask God to restore us, he doesn't necessarily do it financially. He doesn't necessarily do it with Mm -mm. anything material at all. Sometimes he restores us with good people because Mm -hmm. we had to get some of that kryptonite out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, oh, for sure. No no question, no question. Mm -hmm. And what what I love about people like you who have a strong sense of humility, Natasha, Mm Mm-hmm. You understand everything important we have in our lives was given to us, not earned. Yes. Yes. And it's so important for us not to confuse what we achieve with what we have received. Right. That's right. No doubt about it. And, 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 and every listener out there, um, I'm sure that you're somewhere creating a legacy and so having listened to her story, having heard just a little bit, because you're going to get the book and you're, you're going to get a lot out there um, about Kimberly from Beyond the Easy. What if you start from the time you whatever day, whatever time of day or night that you listen to this podcast and you 
hear what she said about 2022 and you look in her book and you see the nuggets, whether you are an individual, a corporation, whoever you are, wherever you are, it is our hope and it is our prayer that you will take some time with you, take some time with God, take some time with just who you are right now. Go back to what she said about the power of the rear view and ask yourself, do I feel as though I'm in my authentic space? And if it doesn't feel authentic, if it doesn't feel right, what can I do? Where, where did I pivot? Maybe the, the, a way that didn't please me or a way that wasn't suited for my best and highest good. Or who can I talk to? Because I think a lot of times we hold things in and we're taught, repress your emotions, repress your emotions, stick your chest out, be strong, don't tell anybody. But even if you can't tell anyone, you can talk to God. Even if he doesn't talk back, as Kimberly said, even if he's quiet and silent. So, Kimberly, I have a zinger because I always throw out zingers. It has nothing to do with your book. It doesn't have anything to do with your job, your career, your your companies, none of that. Uh, Our illustrious sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Skiwi, I had to do it. Um, Of course. With with the the links, all of that. Um, What is a talent or a hobby that you have that not many people know about that brings you joy? Because I want you guys to know, you heard how much she's gotten done. You'll see it. You'll read it. You'll learn about it. And you'll see it in this book, but you'll see it everywhere that our team puts it out. And you'll see it in her podcast description. She she doesn't stop, but she does. So she has her own secret sauce for her own self-care. But what is a talent or a hobby that you have that brings you joy that no one knows about that you don't mind sharing that's not crossing a boundary? this is I love wrapping gifts I I love um I love wrapping uh holiday gifts I love the 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 reaction of people before they open the gift um I got that from my mom I'm a decorator I love to I change my balcony every season um, to, you know, to take pictures of and show people what they can do with a great small space. Um, so yeah, I do, I do. Yeah. I, I, I even had a company name called Oasis Enterprises. Um, but it's kind of, it's chilling right now because I, I don't have the time, unfortunately, to, to put into it um, by redoing people's balconies and that kind of, you know, like oh, it or love it kind of so thing. amazing though. Yeah. <laughs> so I do, yeah. So I do, so I do that. But when I was, when I was a little younger, I would tell you bowling. Most people would look at me. I've been bowling. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, I was a bowler for over 20 years. But people would look at me and they're like, well, bowling, yeah, right. I'm like, totally. And I'm good. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so those, so, those, you know, decorating. But you know what? I, I really will tell you, though, that under, you know, and I know that this is like kind of to be the fun fact, but the fun fact is I just, I love decorating. Like, I can't wait to decorate 
gift bags and gifts and and, and things. Yeah, because I I love the yeah yeah that's 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 my favorite thing. So I yeah, I will I, yeah I will I'll, I'll be quiet because I know that you you're gonna get to that you're gonna want me to have a final thought. So I don't want to take all the time with that. But yes, that is me <laughs> decor. Oh, I love I love that. I was actually it was so funny. I had to go to the Wally World. If you don't know, guys don't know what Wally World is, I had to go to Walmart and I was looking for something in the gardening section actually. <laughs> And it uh-huh. was in, it, they totally changed it around all Christmas. And I, I lost my mind because, of course, I'm looking over and they have the rose, that the, the rose gold and the pink and the green. And, but they were in separate containers and it, they were massive sizes and I didn't need all of that. And I was like, can you, can you take some out of this and put some of this and mix it together? And they just looked at me like, you must be an AKA. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, and I think everyone should have an AKA tree, but that's just me. So, um, thank you so, thank you so much. Please, Kimberly, give us your closing thought. To truly, well, first, before I even say that, thank you. Um, Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for inspiring us all. Natasha. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm humbled. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. Thank <laughs> you for this podcast. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for understanding the assignment of the power of your voice. And thank you for always being an example of putting God first. Thank you. I've, you know, I've met you, I've known you a short period of time, but you know, you're my sister on many levels. And, you know, I just, I love you and I just love who you are. And I don't want you to ever dim your light. I want you to Mm. keep it bright. Um, And what I will say to everyone also, because that was yours. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. But what I, and I meant every word. And what I will say is to truly live the best life for your future self. Stop seeing greatness in everyone else, everyone except you. And stop obsessing over your failures, where you should be, comparing and competing with others. You have to reset and move forward. And there's something that I want you all to say after me. Natasha, you can say it for everyone. Okay. Big year ahead. And I'm listening. Big year ahead. And I'm listening. You got it. Wow. That's deep. That is deep. Oh, my goodness. If I could insert a million claps. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Big year ahead. And I'm listening. I love it. Audience, please say that. Whenever you, whenever you are listening to this, when you get to the end of this, please repeat after her, big year ahead, and I'm listening. Oh, that just gives me chills. I am so sorry, but that gives me chills. <laughs> Kimberly, other than giving away your books, and we have a gift for you, which will be on the way. How, oh. can, how, can, how can Beyond the Easy and any of our listeners um, across the globe, how can we be of service to you? Just keep being the best version of who you are. 
We can do that. We can I, do that. I just I just as long as you all promise me to be the best version of who of who you want to be. And your and and I never want you to wager your worth. Um so and just be good to your be kind to you. Um, and please purchase the book on Amazon and where all books are sold, but Amazon is where it counts for us the most. Um, optimists always win. Um, two charities who are so deserving of our book sales um, and our purchases. So I just thank you in advance. I wish all of you happy holidays and a happy holiday season and continue to live life with zest that's Thank what I want you to do. I'm on it. And I know that our guests will be on it as well. Everyone that has tuned in. Thank you so much for listening to the final episode of 2021. And I couldn't think of a better closer and also opener for 2022 than Kimberly S. Reed. Thank you so much, you guys. All of the former guests, you have been amazing and you know this. So we had to top it off with a, a cherry on top and that is certainly in the person of Kimberly S. Reed, a God-fearing woman, a strong woman, someone that you need to get to know and you'll be able to locate her whenever you're looking at the podcast description on the podcast as well as all of our social media channels. And we wish you happy holidays, as she said. And we wish you a, a very um, eyes wide open, ears wide open, maybe mouth a little closed until you need to use that voice. 2022. Um, it's not too late to start. But remember what she said about the power of the rear view. Let us know your thoughts. Please share this podcast episode wide and far. Zip it across everywhere, you guys, whenever you're listening. And we will throw some things up on Instagram so that you can get a copy for free. And mind you, she's not making a dime from these books. This, this, this uh, book is giving back to the American Cancer Society Association as well as another research institute for cancer. Talk about a philanthropist. And that's just one thing that she gives. So Kimberly, thank you so much. You have been so gracious with your time and your energy and just your heart. I want you to have the most spectacular holiday season that you can. And if you ever, ever get back into decorating balconies and rearranging rooms, please call me because I will come to Philadelphia or do or or Dubai and meet you in that Bentley. And, and, yeah, and, we, can, and we can do we can do some things. <laughs> I love it. Well, now I can thank you so much, dearest. And uh, ski-wee. <laughs> thank you so much. We will be in touch. Have an amazing oh, holiday season, you Kimberly. too, my dear. I will talk to you soon. <laughs> okay. Much love. Much love. Much love.